Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, returning after a fantastic cover job by Hal Stewart, must I say, last week. Um, I'm back in the mix. Um, joining me, um, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Very, very busy, Bryce. And as you probably can hear, I have a little bit of a cold. Don't worry, it's not, not COVID-19. Um, although I have to say, I did, I did feel like dying at one point last week. But doing much better now. Um, the travel helped. So, yeah. Happy to be back on this podcast and um, on the way to recovery. That's good to hear. I must say, Manu, I haven't been traveling, but I've also got a case of something anyway. But no, there's not going to be any postponing of the podcast or anything like that just yet. But joining uh, Manu and I is Chris Williams. And Chris, I hear that you're well. Last time you weren't so well. Um, no, I wasn't too well a couple of weeks ago. And then um, last week, of course, um, I had a very sick Jack Russell who was in the vets um, with um, doggy norovirus, but he's a lot better now. Um, and I am also better. I think the problems I had a couple of weeks ago, I passed on to Manu in Hamburg. So uh, I think the best way to get rid of a cold or a flu is to give it to someone else. And that seems to have happened, Royce. Oh, I just love presents. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to track someone down to give this thing to you, I think. Uh, anyone want to come and stay? No, I didn't think so. Anyway, guys, um, we're going to crack on because we have a lot to talk about with the Bundesliga this week. Um, everyone seems to be contacting uh, yourselves uh, and even me. Good, you know, God help them. Um, getting information on what's happened this week. It's a, a little bit of the case that we need to talk about things off the field rather than on the field. We will cover them as well. Don't worry, we will get to them. But everyone is asking about the protests at the moment. And the, the one that seems to um, really stood out this weekend was when Bayern Munich were playing away to Hoffenheim. They were 6-0 up, but um, due to banners in the stands and and then a chance, um, the game was almost called off. They were dragged off the field and then all came back on. But... but decided to just pass the ball amongst themselves. Yes, sounds absolutely bizarre. So we need to talk about why this has happened. And Manu, we're, we're going to start off with you to just explain the whole scenario. It's it's a bit of a, an odd one, one that you maybe wouldn't see in other leagues. But um, yeah, let, let's let's delve right into it. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I've, I like you and Chris um, got a lot of messages and... 
um, asked what's going on and um, the the background of this and the why the referees reacted this way. So let's let's talk about the banner itself, right? Um, everything remains the same. The DFB breaks its promises and Dietmar Hopp remains a son of a bitch um, or Hurensohn, the German word, which is a son of a whore, the direct translation. And yes, um, sorry for using this language, but I, I feel like, you know, we have to use the words to put this entire story into context. Now, what's important to remember here, these are protests against Hopp only indirectly. Um, it all really goes back to a private war that has been waged for 12 years now between Borussia Dortmund Ultras and Dietmar Hopp, the owner of Hoffenheim, the, the rich benefactor of a club that he took over, in, who he actually played for and took over then in the fourth division and with his money and investment brought into the Bundesliga. Hopp, of course, is a rich billionaire, owner and founder of SAP, um, were also a sponsor of the DFB. And I think this is an important one to remember here as well. So the Dortmund Ultras and Hopp have been fighting a, a private war. Um, some of the things that Dortmund fans have done have definitely been over the top, like putting his face in the crosshairs, which can be described as a threat to one's life, right? Language has also been used, like the words that I just described earlier on, Um I find this is a bit more borderline. I personally would not use that um, towards anyone playing on the field or anyone being involved in football. That's just my personal decision. We have used, we have heard language like that used towards other players. Timo Werner, for example, comes to mind, who has been um, dragged to various stadiums for his dive at, at the Schalke game. Other players have experienced similar similar experience, and we haven't seen a stop um, because of it. Now, the protest, the Bayern protest are actually in reaction because the latest escalation between Dortmund and Dortmund Ultras and Hop has been that Dortmund fans have been banned last week from attending games in Hoffenheim for two years. This is deemed as collective punishment and the Ultras around the Bundesliga got together to protest the collective punishment. And in order to protest the collective punishment, they decided to use the very words that led to the collective punishment in the first place. So this is where, this is the background. Now, the reaction, of course, was um, that the refereeing team decided to use the, what's called the three-stage racism protocol. And I think uh, Chris wrote a really good article on this. So I kind of want to hand this over to him. Thanks, Manu. Yeah, so the um, problems that have blighted European football, world football probably as well for maybe the last year or so. And I think we all know why there's some political leaders that have sort of led to the legitimization of, of racist behaviors. Anyway, it's filtered throughout the whole world. And there are people um, in stadiums that now think they can racially abuse players. And um, unfortunately, um, we've seen this uh, in some of the big leagues, but we saw it seen it in Portugal where you know nothing happened to that particular player. We've seen it in England a couple of times, Raheem Sterling especially, um, being targeted. And we've also seen it in Germany. Um, happened at a Hertha Berlin Schalke game um, the other week or the other, I think, yeah, let's start of last month, very early on last month. Um, and there was a really serious incident. And it involved um, Jordan Toinga, who was subjected to monkey chants um, in a DFBO, DFB Pokal fixture at Schalke. Um, now, the game wasn't stopped and Toinga himself... <laughs> 
um, and, a, and a laugh flippantly was actually sent off later in the game for an overreaction on the field. Now, he probably received that red card, um, my interpretation, because he'd been racially abused on the side. Anybody who saw that match will remember him throwing the crate on the floor. So um, the, the match wasn't stopped for that. Then only 12 days ago, um, Würzburg kickers um, Leroy Guado was racially abused at a, th- a third-tier fixture um, over in Munster. Now, when that happened, both sets of supporters turned on the individual, started chanting Nazis out, um, and that actual fan was ejected from the stadium. But the game continued. And now, as we saw on the weekend, um, this three-step principle was invoked for um, protests against um, a billionaire. Um, Now, two wrongs don't make a right. As Manu's already said, uh, the wording um, and the background towards that death threat, etc. Um, and I think that's what they are. If you put somebody's face in a crosshair, that's pretty much a death threat to me or a threat or a wish of death anyway. Maybe not a death threat. Let's call it a wish of death. That's over the line, um, regardless of whether you think Hoffenheim of um, being injected by um, unfair cash or not. I think that's that's a line crossed um, but this fixture, the only fixture that's been stopped in Germany, has come because of protests um, against collective punishment and against, um, you know, against financial um, backing of a billionaire into his club. It's not come for racism, um, which I find quite, quite strange, um, quite odd. Um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't stop the match. Because as Manu's already said, the words that were used were, were quite bad. But we have to put this in context that it's not been done in the same month because it was the 29th yesterday, 29th of February. It's Two games haven't been stopped for what I would say is a more pressing social issue of racism. Um, I think that is a higher stage of problem um, in society than, than maybe using derogatory terms to somebody who's got a lot of money. That's just my interpretation. I'm glad Manu picked up that SAP, uh, one of um, the DFB's primary partners, not just a partner, they're a primary partner. So there could be accusations here leveled of looking after your own. Um, and once again, two wrongs don't make a right. I'm also a little concerned that in Germany, maybe some of these clubs are looking to downplay the the power that the ultras hold um, because the ultras do some very good work. Um, Archie Ryan Tut, um, who we've spoken to on this podcast before and who anybody who listens to this podcast will know covers German football for Fox Sports, um, did a really good thread on this this morning um, on Twitter um, about how the ultras have been positive. So um, anti-racism um, choreos, anti-sexism, anti-homophobic, welcoming refugees into the country, um, they do a lot of good work remembering things like the um, Auschwitz Memorial, um, a really moving weekend in Germany. Um, and occasionally they do overstep the boundary through their passion and, and that needs to be controlled. Now, I know they don't like collective punishment, um, but the, the the Dortmund Ultras and um, Hoffenheim have had a running battle and, and the DFB have said, OK, you're going to get a two year punishment. Um I think this is the sort of of way you should be taking this instance, not stopping a game of football. Um, And I say that purely because a game of football wasn't stopped for a racial issue, which I personally think um, is is a lot greater. But the line in the sand has been drawn. Um, But for me, the line in the sand has been drawn on an insult Um, that isn't homophobic. It doesn't it doesn't play on anybody's um, anybody's natural 
um, natural ways. So it, it, it's not the color of their skin. It's not the sexuality. It's not um, you know whereabouts in the world they're born. It's it's about a statement of, of money. Now, so are we now to pause games when the Revere Derby's on and Dortmund fans shout Scheiße null fear instead of Schalke null fear? Because uh, that is technically an insult. Are we going to stop a game when um, a player um, shouts at a referee and uses you know terrible language, which we see week in, week out? No, we're not. So it's a dangerous precedent for me. Um, I'm not saying what the Ultras have done in this instance is correct. Far from it. I think what the DFB have done here is they've used a sledgehammer to crack a, um, to crack a, a nut. Um, and it just smells a little funny for me because it's a SAP, a preferred partner. But I, Chris, I mean, if, if I just um, asked a question, I mean, obviously this, this very rich fellow's come in, he's invested in this football club, he's got ties with the DFB and that, but the question's... Um, that kind of come to people's minds is that the 50 plus one rule is still in place. So, I mean, it's not like he completely owns the the club, you know, and he makes all the decisions. You know, the fans are still there as the majority shareholder, a bit like with uh, Leipzig. Um, so, so why, why so much hate? I'll just jump in there. Cause um, that's technically not quite correct. So um, in 2015, Hoffenheim were um, given an exemption from the 50 plus one rule because Dietmar Hopp has invested heavily for 20 years. So um, Hoffenheim are at the same level as by Leverkusen and um, Wolfsburg because they are, they are owned um, and have been historically owned by companies, namely Bayer pharmaceuticals and, and um, Volkswagen. So um, Hoffenheim no longer play to that 50 plus one rule price because Hopp has invested correctly in the club and, and has been able to um, use the powers and the laws that the DFB have put in place. Um, he's not circumvented them. Um, I am glad you've mentioned Leipzig, though, because we've never seen a game stopped for the throwing of a pig's head um, onto a pitch, which happened when um, Leipzig played Dresden a few seasons ago when they were in the second Bundesliga. We've never seen a halting of the game for, um, and we've probably sworn enough on this podcast for it to be um, to get the expletive mark now. But we've seen, um, you know, fuck RB signs held up. Um, R- I think I've seen an RB a horse marketing horse. I've seen that sign. A game's never been stopped there. Um, and this, for me, is why there is, seems to be a level of um, injustice. Is probably the wrong word a level of criticism that needs to be investigated. Why now? Why for HOP? Why for SAP? Why have the DFB come down so hard on this and not come down on, I'll say the word again, racial um, tensions and racial um, noises from the stands? And certainly, you know, Leipzig have been around for for a while now and we've never seen a game stop for anything um, towards them. So it's, um, yeah, it's a strange one for me. Um, As I say, and I'll underline again, I don't agree with the way that the Ultras have gone about this particular way because it is targeting uh, of an individual. Um, you know, we can talk to the cows come home about that. But the fact that nothing's been done before for Leipzig, Manu's already mentioned a couple of players, um, and, and for the events that went on in February, that's the problem for me. Yeah, and to maybe add to that, like, Timo Werner is a great example. He, the abuse that he received after the dive um, and the wording that was used against him is no different than what Hop received. Now, this is another white guy, right? So uh, it's still bad, but it's another white guy and nothing was done there. But Bibiana Steinhaus, um, 
the abuse that she has received for being a female referee in the Bundesliga, the first female referee in the Bundesliga, the sexist abuse that she has received in some games, and there was nothing done. You know, this is the referee we're talking about. Um, so it's, and Chris is quite right, like, why now? And um, while I do not condone the action of the ultras, I do find it interesting that the DFB is drawing the line at this instance, you know, at Dietmar Hopp, who I actually really respect as a person. I think that the, the investments that he's made, not just in Hoffenheim, but in other regional sports and into the area around Mannheim uh, in that part of Germany, it, it, I, I can't blame him for that. And I actually, you know, people who listen to this podcast know that I'm quite neutral when it comes to businessman coming in and investing but i still find it odd that the dfb has decided that this is where they're going to draw the line and it, it smells very fishy but chris maybe to add to this and this is something that really surprised me um, when i read the the press reports this morning um a lot of the press has really jumped on Dietmar Hopp's side and really gone against what bayern have bayern ultras have done here um, and that is something that I kind of found almost disturbing. I think I read one or two articles. Um, I read an article in Spiegel that also basically draws the same line that we do. Said, like, yes, it was wrong what the Bayern Ultras are doing, did, but why draw the line here? And is this going to mean that we are going to draw the line here now every single time? And as you pointed out, what does that mean? Are we going to now every time? I mean, anyone who's been in a fan area and a fan section um, knows the words that are used there. Um, words are used, you know, in effect against players, against coaches, sometimes even their own coaches. I was at Werder Bremen game the other day where, um, and this was just below the press area, right? So on the main stand where someone basically hauled abuse at um, Florian Kofeld for the entire 90 minutes from the VIP section. Are we going to stop a game for that now? Is that where we're going to draw the line? Because I don't know right now where the line is. If we talk about the referees, and you, as Manu said, Chris, um, you're about you know, halting the game like this, uh, I would imagine that, you're, is, is this the referee's choice and his team? Or, or do you think he's been put up to it by the DFB? They say, if this happens again, then the, this is the protocol that's to be used. And obviously, as we're saying, the, this protocol should not be used for this. There, there's much worse things um, to be done. But it, but I take it that they must have been informed to do this, or, or am I wrong? Uh, no, you're not wrong. Um, Alexander Rosen spoke um, to Archie Ryan after the Hoffenheim game on Fox Sports. And um, yeah, they were fully aware that the Ultras um, were trying to connect with each other um, to make a protest day on this particular match day. Um, so the DFB knew about it. They'd obviously briefed their referees um, that if it was to happen, if the banners were to come up and the songs were to start, there would be this three-stage protocol put on. Um, so everybody knew it. Um, it's just where does it go from now? Um, Stefan Userfeld, who writes for ESPN, I was speaking to him yesterday as well on this. Um, and he spoke to some ultras after. Anybody who, who reads his work on ESPN will know um, that he is um, he's heavily um, not involved with the Ultras, but he has a number of sources and he always speaks to the fans and he speaks to players as well as managers. But he does have um, a direct line to, to the Ultra movement and they've described it now as all-out war. So um, 
what happens next, we already saw um, today on Sunday as we record this, Union Berlin game was stopped because um, Union Berlin fans um, brought out a banner which wasn't particularly derogatory to Hop. It was all about collective punishment. In fact, the, the banner started against collective punishment. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it goes now because we could be into a week or three or four or maybe to the end of the season. I don't think the DFB are going to buckle on this and I certainly don't think the Ultras are going to buckle on this. So, um, yeah, a war of attrition awaits, I think. Yeah, and I think we've kind of gotten to the, a point now where media that has drawn the line on Hobbs' side and um, the Dietmar Hobbs' side as well, and also the ultras, they, have, they all have kind of crossed the line. And I think we've gone beyond the point where saving face is possible, which of course means that the rest of the season, which is really unfortunate because it has been, it has been a great season. I think we're going to have a lot of this now going on for the next 10 weeks or so. Well, Manu, may I just quickly ask, them, have you got any sympathy for Dietmar Hopp, who's obviously in the middle of this? We're, we're talking about how the, the DFB are reacting to it and what the ultras think of it, but what do you think about the man himself? I, I mean, I've said this before. I, I think that Dietmar Hopp decided to invest money into a football club. Um, I think that his his right, um, and I think that, you know, if you work in football and you you want to build something, then if I was in his position, I want to have that right too. Now I'm not. I'm not a billionaire, um, and I also work in football um, as a journalist. And Chris has probably been in the same boat. We have had all sorts of abuse thrown at us. Um, anyone who has worked in football at one point knows it's a very emotional game. So I think if you work in football and um, then you also have to understand that this is a very emotional game and people will have very strong views on how the game should be run. And fans in particular, and fan groups are predominantly run by, by young people. This is, this is a sub-youth culture that we are talking about. They're not you mid-30s, 40, um, cool-headed guy, people, right? They, they, they're not in that category. Um, so you have to just, you have to have a thick skin and in that regard, you have. I, I personally believe that if you go to a football game, you have to live with certain words being thrown at you. Now, where do you cross the line? Was Hop criticized for his religion? No. Was he criticized for his sexuality? No. Was he criticized for um, his race? No. So that's where you say in, in this protest, in this particular protest, right? That's where I think, okay, well... The line for me personally was not crossed. Now, the crosshairs, that's where I think the line is crossed because then all of a sudden it does become a death threat. And I do think it is exactly that. So I think for Hop, it was a glorious day on Saturday. He got to walk on the field, which by the way, he was not supposed to be on the field. That's a violation of uh, DFB protocols because he's not there in an official match day capacity. With Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, all the Bayern fans and everything. It was a glorious moment for him. Like, so I think for him, in some ways, it maybe was the best moment of his life. But do I have um, sympathy for him? I have sympathy for him. I think he has the right to invest and build, play the game that he's playing with the football. But at the same time, I think you have to live with a certain level of criticism for it if you step into this environment. Everyone who's walking into the football environment has to live with that level of criticism. 
and you need a thick skin for it. That's my personal opinion. Um, I draw the line personally, as I said, sexism, racism, homophobia, um, religion, and when you when you threaten someone's personal life, that's where you cross the line. And I don't actually think the Bayern Ultras have done that in that case. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, uh, one final, I suppose, uh, point on it before we talk about the on-field antics rather than the uh, off-field stuff. Um, Chris, uh, we've talked about the DFL uh, or the DFB, sorry, um, and w- what their what their reaction was from it, and we're, and we're turning around and we're saying that you know the surely they need to do more for racism, and sexism, you know, all the things that Manu's just mentioned. Um, have, have they actually turned around and said that they're going? to be a bit more stern about all that they're gonna have you know stronger feelings about it i mean even schalke today they came out with a statement didn't they about abusive language but they didn't touch on on the more pressing things that 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 we feel are are being you know skipped over well the, the racism protocol is um has been there for for a number of years now. It's been brought back into the fore, and um, because of what's happened, it's, it's not something new. It's been, I think, it's been on the FIFA um, statutes for two, three years now. So it's nothing new. Um, and the referee has to hear it, or it has to be brought to the referee's attention. Um, and that was done um, earlier on, the, the very start of the month um, at Schalke um, by uh, Jordan Toinga. I think when he threw that Coca-Cola crate, which I think was full of water, not Coca-Cola because players don't drink Coke, when he threw that crate on the floor, that should have really brought it to the referee's attention that he was hearing direct racial chants um, against him, those monkey noises. Um, and and the, the protocol should have been invoked there and then. It wasn't. Um, and I might sound like a broken record now, but for me, that's where the problem on this weekend is because... Um, I don't I I don't not agree with stopping the match because if that's the line, that's the line. But surely, sure to God, with two incidents of racism in the same month and the game was let go, this isn't what the protocol was brought in and designed for. Yeah, and you know that good that you're bringing up Schalke because this is a club that has a CEO who has made racist remarks at a public at a public event just you know six months ago and was was banned for the club for for six months suspended by the club sorry and then allowed back in and and Clemens Tunis right again a rich benefactor and the line wasn't drawn there um, in fact Schalke basically reinstated him and then Schalke came out with a press release today that they're saying they're going to introduce a one step protocol for the, the DFB Pokal match against Bayern on, on this week, saying that if there is protest against, they're just going to straight walk off. And that screams double standard for me. If you you are not, so you're tolerating racism by your CEO, who also, yes, is your rich benefactor, but you're not tolerating protests against rich benefactors. 
that just it's just it's it it's a double standard for me yeah it it's it definitely doesn't put you in a in a good light, does it? Um, Manu, we're going to go back to you, and uh, I suppose let's talk about the on-field antics. Um, Bayern obviously looked very impressive against Hoffenheim. They were 6-0 up. Uh, talk us through that a little bit, and if you will as well, uh, explain exactly the uh, the players' reactions when they came back on the field. Yeah, it's really too bad, actually, because um, this was probably the best Bayern performance I've seen since Pep Guardiola. <laughs> Um, we were not talking about it very much because of everything else that went on. But um, yeah, Bayern were absolutely brilliant in this game. And I think if um, if this if if things had played out differently, they would have gone won this game by double digits. And um, they did this without Kingsley Coman, who once again walked off with an injury. And what we thought would be the worst case scenario, Robert Lewandowski out with um, um a broken bone um, in his in his shin. It's like shin kante is the, the name in German. It's it, it's a really weird place right below your knee. Like there's like a little fracture there. It's a fracture line. But um, it's we thought that would be the worst case scenario because we always said like, look, the one player that Bayern cannot replace is uh, Robert Lewandowski. But Hansi Flick brings on 18-year-old Joshua Sirkse, who in the first 45 minutes had the game of his life. He was involved in the first three goals. Um, and just had a brilliant performance all around and shows that Bayern maybe don't need to bring in another non- number nine because they, they can just maybe develop this kid who has all the tools in his box to, to become a really, really good player. And, um, you know, for right up the pitch, Coutinho had a really good game as well. As Again, this was a really rare chance for him to shine and, uh, he scored two beautiful goals, did really well playing um, on the left or, um, together with Alfonso Davies, who basically because of Davies playing so far up the field as a left winger that allows Coutinho to really push into the middle. And I think that's a setup that actually works quite well. So these were all really beautiful things that happened on the field on the back of Bayern absolutely smashing Chelsea in the Champions League, you know, and then, which is, of course, another really good result. So I think on the field... Um, it's going really, really well for Bayern. And uh, I think that they are currently looking like a team that can go very deep in the Champions League, possibly given the results that some of the English teams had in, in that first legs, uh, might have a clear run, maybe all the way to the end, which is not something that any one of us thought at the beginning of this year. I think there's a really good chance Bayern can go very deep in this competition. But then also, you know, the fact that Hansi Flick is now looks like a lock for being the future Bayern head coach. And then, of course, Alfonso Davies now getting a contract extension likely till 2025. There's a lot of good news. So it's really kind of too bad that we don't have very much time talking about all these positives. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bayern are looking very strong at the moment, aren't they? And yeah, without Lewandowski, who um, has been more or less ever present since he's been at Bayern, really, um, you know, it, it didn't seem to really matter. You know, going going six nil up. You know, it's a fantastic display. And you know, as you said, Manu, you know, in Europe as well. You know, they they were looking fantastically strong against Chelsea. Absolutely blew them away. Um, Obviously, going into uh, the week just before we um, we'll talk about anything else, I, I wanted to um, just quickly say, is, is there going to be any impact with Bayern uh, visiting Schalke, Manu, uh, in the Pokal? Is, is, do, we, do we think that they're just going to uh, blow them away? And do we think the Ultras are going to behave themselves? 
X Factor is the year ultras, right? We don't know what they're gonna do um, with this new one-step protocol that Schalke have introduced out of the blue. Um, Schalke have been looking miserable since the winter break, and I think that Bayern, even without Lewandowski, are absolutely gonna smash them on current form. Um, I think there is a few clubs around the world that can stop Bayern, um, but I don't think Schalke are nearly, nearly there. Um, so yeah, I, I expect another fantastic performance midweek. Yeah, that's it. And Bayern looking uh, ever impressive. Uh, I, I'm just enjoying uh, watching uh, Alfonso Davies at the moment as well. He's just been absolutely uh, breathtaking, hasn't he? Um, Chris, uh, let's go to you and uh, talk about then uh, Borussia Dortmund, um, a team that you know had seemed to be up and down, but uh, more up these days, which is great to see. And they're still hanging in there with the uh, title challenge. Aren't they sitting in third, 48 points? Um, they're just uh, four off Bayern. So things are still very much alive and another victory over the weekend. Yes, Bryce, things that are back um, for 2020 are brown shoes and Borussia Dortmund. I, th- I think they're now showing um, their their title ability by grinding out this result. But once again, it was a Sancho show, wasn't it? Um, his 14th goal of the Bundesliga campaign, 14 assists. Um, <laughs> he's got 11 goals in 13 Bundesliga matches in his last 13 Bundesliga matches. He scored in every home game for the... You know, for the past month and a half, um, or for the past seven, I think, he's just phenomenal. Um, and this um, wasn't a particularly um, monumental performance by Dortmund, but in the last couple of seasons, this is a game where um, maybe they would have leaked one or two goals at the end, um, or maybe they would have leaked, um, you know, or wouldn't have even scored one and they would have drawn. But this is um, a game that, I would have expected Dortmund to, to struggle in because we all know um, Freiburg and Strike and how good he, um, Christian Strike, the coach, how good he sets his, his teams up. Um, and it was a tough game for Dortmund, but they came out the other side um, with three points. So a really good day at the office. Um, and there's, there's a lot of positives for Dortmund at the moment. Um, Sancho, of course, um, Erling Haaland was on the bench. He had a, a stomach bug or... As I was told by someone on Twitter, he didn't have a stomach bug. He had um, gastritis, which is a bit different. So he had a stomach bug anyway. He was on the bench. I think if he had gastritis still, he wouldn't have been in a matchday squad. That was my get-out-of-jail-free card, Bryce. But um, Emre Chan looks really good. Um, the back looks a bit better. Nice to see Zagadou. I do like him. I think he's a really good player. Um, and, and this midfield, um, he's going for a 3-4-2-1, um, Fabra, but... That middle, um, it, it's a middle four with the two in front. It, it's, it's almost like a, a fluid six and, and it's a really, really good um, formation for me and, and it suits Dortmund down to a T. And yeah, I think everybody knows I'm a bit of an Emre Chan fanboy um, and, and yeah, Emre Chan has settled really well into this side and it's looking good for them. But we always have to remember, Bryce, um, that Dortmund can go full Dortmund whenever they want and they may only be um, a few points off the top um, the game they should have won um, the other week and they didn't would have seen them almost top now um, so there's always that little likelihood that it could go wrong um, it's going to be interesting for me how they get on against um, PSG in Paris if they can get through that I think it will give them an impetus to push on um, for the rest of the season but um don't rule out Gladbach, but for me, Dortmund are very much in this 
three-way title fight at the moment. I think it goes back to four-way if Gladbach win that um, game in hand against Cologne. But yeah, Dortmund got a good result against a difficult opponent to set themselves up um, for a good title running. Absolutely. And they've got, a, as you said, a, a tough uh, two games coming up, don't they? Um, against uh, Gladbach, that could uh, really bring Gladbach back into the fold after a 3-2 away victory against Augsburg this weekend. And then, yes, the Paris Saint-Germain game. Eh? That will be just as interesting. Um, guys, then I suppose we need to talk about the team sitting in second, and that is RB Leipzig. On Sunday, they failed to capitalise... Um, and a game against Bayer Leverkusen. Um, to, if, if I'm being honest, I thought they looked a little bit flat. The game finished a one-one. Uh, Chris, I'm going to go back to you on this one. Um, how did you feel the game was? Do you think that this was a missed opportunity for Leipzig, or that Leverkusen were very much worthy of the point? I thought the game ended. Um, it, it fizzled out a bit, like you said. Um... I would say this was probably more of a missed opportunity for Leipzig because um, because of where they are in the table. Leverkusen um, were always going to stay fifth um, no, no matter what. So it's a good result for Peter Bosch's side away from home. Um, but we don't see um, Leipzig go behind that often. Um, and when they do, they pull it back very quickly. And that obviously, again, happened today. There was, there was, I think there was two minutes between... Um, the two goals that settle the match. But as we went into half time, I thought it was set up quite nicely um, for a really good second half, something we didn't get. I mean, there was, was six substitutions in that second half, which um, I think says a lot. By the time we got to the first one, which was just after the hour mark, I think both coaches, I think Nagelsmann's a very, um, a very clever coach. And I think Peter Bosch is also, I think they saw that maybe this game had a draw written all over it. Um, so they needed to change their try and change it, and that's what they did. I don't know if they tried to change it a little bit too much in the end, but um, definitely a missed opportunity for Leipzig. But they are where they are in the table, and even after what you could say was a bad afternoon in the office, um, they're only three points behind um, Bayern still, um, with Bayern a number of crucial games coming up. You would say without Lewandowski, but you know they scored six goals without him. I think that's probably the biggest... Um, scare that the league can have um, for, for all the other teams in it is that maybe we're buying going to be a little bit lost without him no they're not um, so you would think it was a missed opportunity for Leipzig but come the end of the season if they finish second in Nagelsmann's first season there I think that's a really good um, move for them and it's a good stepping stone but we want this title fight we've got a title fight I think there's a lot of twists and turns left at the moment but this could be one game Come the end of the season, we look back um, a game that they should have dominated really and fell behind early on. Yeah, very much uh, they've missed out there, haven't they? They're going to need uh, some teams to take a few points off Bayern while they stay fairly solid in the next uh, few weeks. Um, Manu, uh, let's talk a little bit. We we touched uh, slightly on the European games uh, for the Bundesliga sides. Um, things looking rather positive, uh, I must say, at the moment. You know, with uh, Dortmund impressive against uh, PSG with Haaland on the scoreline um, Bayern Munich looked fantastic in London against Chelsea then we had Eintracht Frankfurt and Bayern Leverkusen as well impressing in Europe in the Europa League sorry and it, it, it all looks rather positive at the moment yeah I think it's really encouraging um, I mean we we Chris and I were in Leverkusen in, in November and one of the things that we discussed with Simon Rolfes was that the German team's doing better 
um, not in the Champions League, but in the Europa League, you know, a competition that they haven't won in, pff, since 1995. Uh, or 1996 is the last German team that... No, sorry, 1997 is the last German team that won the, when it was still the UEFA Cup. And um, Simon Rolf has said, this is a competition we want to go very deep in. And, um, you know, and I think they did, they did very well. They looked very good against Porto, knocking them out. And uh, they're next up to against Glasgow Rangers, which I think is, is an interesting but also doable tie for them. Um, Wolfsburg um, are through as well uh, against Malmö. I think that's a side that you expect them to go through. They're playing against Shakhtar Donetsk. That's very interesting, a very good opponent. Um, Shakhtar Donetsk, of course, you know, we, we have the Football Grad podcast. We cover them quite a lot. Um, I think they are a very good side. They're not as strong as they were in the last few years. So I think actually Wolfsburg have a chance to go through there. And then Eintracht Frankfurt have Basel um, after knocking out Salzburg. And we know that Salzburg, despite losing all those top players, Chris and I have spoken about it before the tie, um, are a very good side. And I think they can go through against Basel too. And then, you know, this is the round of 16. Then you're in the quarterfinals with, with three good German teams. Uh, I think then your odds of going, having maybe a team at least reach the semifinal or maybe the final um, Frankfurt was so close to that. Um, I think that'd be very positive. I think the results in the Europa League have been very encouraging overall. Um, Champions League, I mean, fantastic. Um, Bayern, what they did in, in Chelsea, I think we all suspected that they would beat Chelsea, but we didn't expect them. They would beat them by this much. But it's also the other teams. I mean, Dortmund against the PSG side that, are, yeah, they're a little bit like the Harlem Globetrotters of soccer, but um, they, you know, to beat them like the way they did, I think that was was good and Leipzig to go to London as a young club, a very inexperienced club and to beat Tottenham 1-0 in London, especially the way they did it because that result should have been a lot more is also very encouraging. It shows that the Bundesliga right now, I think when you go top to bottom of the top four leagues, is probably the strongest and it's, it's translate. I think this title fight, and this is really interesting. I think this title fight that the top teams are experiencing amongst each other being challenged every weekend, weekend, in the Bundesliga is helping them in Europe. You see a direct translation. Bayern is being pushed in the league at the moment. You know, uh, I think being pushed in the league helps you. And um, I think that for the first time last year, it was the same, right? Bayern were pushed to the very end. Now they're being pushed again to the very end. And it gives them a little bit of an extra impetus. They need to be hunted in the league. It helps them in the Champions League because it keeps them sharp. And I think that will... I think, you know, we, it's kind of shocking to say this, but I think we're going to see Bayern go very, very deep in the Champions League as well. And I think that will translate on balance into a very good year for the Bundesliga in Europe. Yeah, it certainly does help the league, doesn't it, when it comes to them being in Europe. Um, you know, if, if it's a little bit tighter, it's a little bit tougher. You know, the quality is there from the teams around Bayern. Um, Chris, if we just go to you. Oh, by the way, um, apologies. I, I think I left out Wolfsburg, who have got through fantastically against uh, Malmo. So uh, apologies, Wolfsburg fans. Uh, but Chris, um, how do you feel about the, uh, the German sides at the moment in Europe? Uh, the draws are... Are looking interesting. Um, I, I I think most of the draws we can see them going through, uh, whether it's Champions League or Europa League. I think probably the team I've just mentioned, Wolfsburg, probably have the toughest one. That's against uh, Shakhtar. I, I don't see that being a very easy tie for them. No, it's always a difficult place to go um, away. Uh, I think that might be the the crux of this particular two legged tie for them. Um, I'm, 
seen Shakhtar a couple of times. Um, not the best traditionally at travelling. So if um, if they can get a result away from home, that'll be excellent, um, as well as keeping it tight whilst they're at home or at least hammering home home advantage. Um, There's a few homes in that, wasn't there? Um, but for for the rest of the teams, yeah, I can see... I can certainly see Leipzig going a little bit further. Um, I, from what I've seen of Tottenham lately, don't forget I was at, I was at Tottenham Stadium for that match. And Manu's quite right; it should have been two or three. I mean, genuinely, it should have been three-one. I think for Leipzig, and that would be game over, like it is for for Bayern, who ran right at Chelsea. Um, Tottenham still got a little chance there, but I think on the whole, Leipzig should do it. Bayern. I was chatting um, to a couple of people online about this. I've got Bayern going all the way to the final. Um, because I think last season really hurt them. They were embarrassed in Europe, and they were embarrassed by Liverpool in the Allianz on the world stage. Um, and I think that is something that will have hurt them. And as we saw in 2012, when they were hurt in their own stadium by Chelsea, it sort of um, kicked, kicked on a response the season after. So I think Bayern have got everything they need to get to the final. Um, Lewandowski will be back by then. Um, by the by, the next set of, of fixtures going by the statements put out by Bayern, um, the fact he played on with that cracked um, bone shows that it should be a quick heal for me. Um, but yeah, I've got Bayern as, as going all the way. Whether they win it or not, Bryce, will depend on whether Liverpool beat Atletico Madrid. But um, I've been trying to get a Bayern-Liverpool final for a couple of seasons. Um, hopefully, this is the one. Haha, <laughs> here's hoping. And Chris, will you be heading up to Ibrox? I won't um, be going, unfortunately. Damn, I, th- I really thought you'd be going to that one because I know that you do enjoy it up in Glasgow. But, uh, guys, I think we've covered quite a lot today. Um, apologies for anyone listening that a lot of it hasn't been about on-field antics, but I think we had plenty to address. This hasn't been a normal weekend in the Bundesliga. And, and yeah, I think we had a lot of answers uh, to a lot of questions that, that needed to be dealt with. And, the two guys here have done fantastic with that. Um, Manu, what have you got going on this week? Um, and I hope that you recover this week, may I say. You've you've, you've uh, done a pretty good job on the podcast this evening. Yeah, I'm actually this has been the best I've felt in two weeks, to be honest. Um, I'm staying at home for a chance, which is really nice because people that um, follow me on Twitter know that I spent uh, two weeks in, in Germany um, doing various things there and then I got back on uh, a Friday and found out that Friday that I have to fly last minute to New York, which doesn't sound like a lot. People know I'm based in North America, but remember, North America is not like Europe. Uh, A flight from Vancouver to New York is a five and a half hour flight. So that's the equivalent of Lisbon to to Moscow, right? So I found out last minute about that. Uh, Sick as a dog, I flew to New York did the MLS uh, kickoff event there. There's lots of articles, great article. I spoke to David Beckham. I really enjoyed it. Um, it, was, it was fantastic meeting him and fantastic meeting a lot of the ownership groups, including Ian Eyre, um, who was in charge of Liverpool. He now runs Nashville SC, and I did an article on him and all that stuff, everything that I did in that launch event. Uh, I think there's five or six articles. There's another article come that Mario Soike, my colleague at Transfermarkt, did in German on ownership groups in the United States that has a lot of the quotes that I collected as well um, at that launch event. Um, it's already out in German. I promise I'll get it translated. Either myself or Daniel Bush, my colleague, will get it translated very soon. I will be with you um, in the coming coming days. So lots of content on Transfermarkt. I did an article on uh, Alfonso Davies almost ending up at Manchester United. Could have had him for 2.3 million euros. So, um, yeah. They kind of missed out on that one. So all of that on Transfermarkt, um, Bryce. So just head over there. 
Always busy, Manu. Always. Um, Chris, so what have you got going on this uh, coming week then, apart from maybe uh, looking after a sickly recovering dog? Um, he's, he's actually um, a lot better, as is my... Uh, I've got three dogs. Two are ill. One's got an iron stomach. Um, everybody's better now. So, um, yeah, no looking after dogs, no playing a vet. Um, it's a new month, of course. Now we're into March, so there'll be new stuff on Forbes. Um, there is the piece that is doing quite well traffic-wise on um, Hoffenheim and, and the protests yesterday um, by the Bayern Ultra. So you can either find that online at my Twitter or um, just Google Hoffenheim protests. And it's I think it's top of the Google News at the moment um, on Forbes. Um, and yeah, I've got some articles coming out, Bundesliga-related articles um, and, of course, a couple of Premier League-related articles because I cover both leagues for Forbes. Busy, 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 both of you, as always. But um, yeah, that more or less does it for the podcast uh, this week. We hope that you've uh, enjoyed it and we have answered some of those questions. We'll be back before you know it with uh, more big game action. We'll be talking about the Pokal games as well, I'm sure. Whether there'll be protests or not, well, let's just wait and find out. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn, and until then, I'll feed us in. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.